Welcome back to the podcast. This is the Life Beyond the Summit Faith Journey Podcast for Men. I'm your host, Steve Crowdis. We have Ken Drilling in the studio, and we have a special guest. We have Brandon Hammonds. Hello. Brandon, uh, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. It so happens that the three of us go to Grace Church, but Brandon holds a special position at Grace Church. So why don't we just have a general discussion here and talk a little bit about the state of the church in general, not not grace necessarily, but just the state of the church, and then a little bit about your background and your role at Grace. Sounds good. So, Ken, good morning. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Brandon. It's great Hello, to have Ken. you with us. Yes, yeah, great to be here. We practice uh, being theologians uh, most of the time, but it's nice to have somebody here actually that's got the background and can speak authoritatively with us. So, yeah, and of it's, course, it's he, he says that here. practicing of theologians very lightly. That's, <laughs> yes. You know, I'll, I'll just tell you real quick, Brandon. I think our heart is to reach men, particularly men. It's a faith journey podcast for men. And the idea is to enrich their faith and encourage them to grow in their knowledge and relationship with Christ, knowledge of and relationship with Christ. And to do so by looking at the word, but we're doing it from a laity's perspective, you know, mm-hmm. uh, not having a deep theological background. But I think it's been very helpful for the people who do listen to it. It gives them a chance to, to listen in on a Bible study, you know, three guys that are doing a Bible study. But yeah, so we thought we'd maybe break a little bit from that and just talk about, I think it'd be interesting to talk about the state of the church and yep. where men where men are concerned, how they fit into it, where they are in their attitudes and their whatever it may be. But a little background about you yeah. first, maybe, Brandon? Sure, yeah. So yeah, I was born and raised in a quasi-famous town named Roswell in New Mexico, um, which is known for being the UFO capital of the world and, yep. and spaceships right. and that kind of stuff. And so... Um, uh, was brought up in the church there, in the Methodist Church, the United Methodist Church there, and um, you know, some, somewhat grew up a believer, uh, but I would say I never had a, an actual true conversion experience where I, you know, there was a, a clear call upon my life to to not just you know uh, you know say yes to Christianity and to Jesus, but to actually lay down my life for Him and to give actually give my life over to Him, and and that, that happened when I was twenty one and. You know, and ever since then, it's been a uh, you know a journey, you could say, mm-hmm. um, in a lot of different mm-hmm. ways. And as I've uh, you know stayed connected to Christianity, mostly been involved in different ways, in different capacities, in the missions field and the church ever since. And um, you know, when I uh, about 2014, 2015, I started to have a real faith crisis in some ways, as I started to you know ask questions maybe that I had been putting off asking for a long time, and they kind of you know, but they continued to brew and. And you know my you know my, my my spirit man began to cry out in some ways as it it sought to you know bring resolve and resolution to some things and and mm-hmm. um, and the questions that I was asking in relationship to my faith were ones really in relationship to the reliability of the Bible and and and, and obviously directly connected to that is the the truthfulness of the man Jesus and 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 his testimony and his life and and, and ultimately what he called us to in in connection to what you guys have been discussing in relationship to the sermon on the mount even specifically and and so i i i knew that i in addition to that i was i was in transition as well and and i was looking for an out and and so and the lord just opened a door for me to to study at uh, Asbury Theological Seminary and uh and i originally you know began with a masters in biblical studies and and then that transitioned to doing a master's in biblical studies and also an advanced research degree in biblical studies. Um, and so um, I ended up having to move to Kentucky and uh, was blessed with being um, a uh, research assistant 
for a, a scholar named Craig S. Keener. Oh, yeah. We got to hear a little bit of him or watch a little video. A little video of him in yeah. Sunday school that one day. That's right. Yeah. And it, uh, and I'd say that, that he was probably, well, the work that I did for him was the most impactful thing I probably I got there at that school. Um, I learned a lot, and, and there was a lot of, you know, obviously you, you, you get the degrees, you learn things. But, I mean, learning how to do the work that he did and then process the research that he's doing and learning how to interact at deep levels with things, just, just learning that world in such a hands-on way um, really, really uh, uh, strengthened my faith because it it caused me to learn what it is. It taught me how to seek answers for some of life's most daunting and hardest of questions. And in relationship to Christianity, the validity of our faith and and you know we we you know we we live in a state of not seeing as far as the faith that we choose to live mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we've been given tangible things in order to strengthen that which we cannot see to strengthen the faith that we don't possess and the very thing that we were chiefly given outside of the presence of the spirit which is a tangible thing that's living inside of us is also the word of god and and so that that in and of itself began to um, as I began to study it and interact with it um, and and uh, really start to dissect the truthfulness of or or, or the or the lack of truthfulness that that the gospel specifically um, articulate um, as I started to go down that role or that that road I I began to realize. Uh, I've either got to be all in with this thing or I got to get mm. out because mm. this is real. This is legit. And everybody that tries to get around the truth of what these texts actually communicate by using historical figures or different textual rhetorical, you know, um, formulas that ancient individuals use to try and communicate that the gospels aren't what they're saying they are and those kinds of things. I mean, e- either they're dated in the research uh, they're mm-hmm. they're completely deceived in the way that they're thinking, or they are uh, wholeheartedly just ignoring the facts, and thus they're liars. And and because all of the evidence, I mean, especially what's come out in the last fifteen to twenty years, is uh, it's 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 astronomically high as far as it communicating the the first century authorship and the dynamics of these books having been written. Um, uh, uh, about a figure during the first century and through eyewitness testimony, through other written sources that were being circulated in the first century that testified about Jesus. So you got eyewitnesses, you got texts, you've got, um, uh, you know, these different, uh, uh, you know, teachers that are having information that are being passed down to them from the mm-hmm. disciples and carrying the traditions on. And so you've got all these avenues of, uh, you've got a culture, in essence, that's set up to where if these Gospels were not articulating the truth, everybody that was a believer at that time would have said these aren't telling the truth because we still have all the people alive that said this guy was here and doing the things that he was doing, and they would have said that you know that the testimony of the Gospels, in essence, aren't true because we actually witnessed and saw what transpired mm-hmm. and, and, what, mm-hmm. and, what, and what was taking what had taken place. And so, anyway, that's in the most simple sense, like I'm just boiling it down here, like it, it, you know, seminary really strengthened me and shook me to my core as it caused me to start to realize that, you know, we've got, the church has got to start to get their act together concerning this man, and the questions that I think a lot of the a lot of individuals in the West have, at least from my generation, I'm 40 years old, um, have asked concerning, you know, whether we can really trust this 
Christian thing that so many of us are just brought up in. It was just a part of the culture. It's what mm-hmm. you did. You, mm-hmm. you were brought up in church, you know, and, and a lot of those wrestles that, um, uh, you know, that, that I had, many have not gone that, gone that way and they've rather gone, you know, the opposite direction. You know, it's, yeah. that's interesting, Brandon. I, th- I find, by the way, we, audience, you need to know that this man is such a treat. You're hearing a little bit of it here, but we get to hear from him pretty regularly at, at church. Uh, particularly in Sunday school, but we just heard from this past weekend at the retreat, and you went into the Beatitudes. That's there's that's interesting. That so you have a particular keen interest in the Beatitudes. It sounds like I I, I do. Is I have a particular keen interest in the man Jesus. Well, is yes, what, is yeah. really what I have a particular interest in, and and you know, in the Gospels, and then the Sermon on the Mount specifically. Yeah, is a. I mean, in my mind, you know, I, when I think of the Sermon on the Mount, it's, you know, I think about it like this, like what transpired in the Garden of Eden was the Declaration of, Dep- of, of Independence, mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. transpires in the, in the Sermon on the Mount is the Declaration of Dependence. Mm. And it's the choice and it's wow. the decision to, like, the, this is the invitation to, to live a life that is dependent upon the mm. one that desires to give you yeah, all good. things and oh, is yeah. going to give you all things. Like, I mean, it's... And this is the life that we're called to live to enter into the greatest glory that God destined for humanity, you know, for, for every human being upon this earth. This is the access point to walk that out. And so, you made an interesting point too, Brandon, and can jump in anytime, but you made an interesting point that you were at a point where you had to decide whether you were all in right. or all out. I had to get in but or out. I will tell you in the, in the 41 years coming up this July that I've been in the body of Christ, it has never worked well when I have tried to do it myself. It, it is an all in or all out proposition. I really can connect with the lukewarm uh, concept, it, you know, for sure it, you're either hot or cold, but you know, many of the, many of the, the body of Christ try to be in that lukewarm. Wouldn't you agree, Brandon? hundred percent. Ken, do you I see mean, that same thing? Oh, we, absolutely. And you know, Brandon, what you said earlier about struggling with questions, I'm, I'm sure the audience, and I don't want to infringe on your, anything too personal or here, but would probably like to know what some of those questions were, because I have a feeling they apply to an awful lot of people that just, you know, it kind of goes into mm-hmm. that part of scripture, you know, I believe, but father help me in my unbelief. Yes. You know, where I do have doubts and what I am struggling with to, to try to separate truth from fiction, if you will, or just, any number of things. And it also brought up to mind uh, recently, uh, within the last past year, I guess, uh, Ron had, Pastor Ron had highlighted a book, another gospel by Alyssa Childers, I yes. believe it was, and how she was a person who was raised, you know, had this almost idyllic Christian upbringing and everything, but realized and was challenged as a young adult on her beliefs by a college professor and, you know, I think this happens a lot that, you know, you children go away to school, to college, they're challenged and mm-hmm. they may not feel like that. They don't have the answers that right. are being posed to them by a college professor who's intimidating in the first place by virtue of his position of authority and everything. But I think there's definitely need for the church to equip the the lay people, how to critically think, how to begin to, you know, hunt out those issues and, and come up with the right 
information. So if you can speak to that, I think that would be, be, be helpful to us as well. So for sure, definitely. I mean, I think that, you know, for me, so the questions in essence, you know, one of the chief questions that I had was the validity of the resurrection of Jesus and his ascension. And it was those two points that for me were, well, one, they're the two most debated and questioned, you know, as far as scholarship goes, you know, the, I mean, okay, so we did have a, you know, for instance, a, a gifted teacher that walked this earth that performed miracles and died on a cross, but mm-hmm. this idea of him actually raising from the dead and then ascending to the right hand of the Father, you're getting into, you know, mythological territory and the ancient Greco-Roman literature sense. Like, it's you're, you're pushing bounds of, of, of epics and things that were based on mythology and not based upon truth, and and so... Um, and so, and so, the result of that is is that you know liberal scholarship dismisses you know altogether the idea and the concept of Jesus having risen from the dead and ascending to the right hand of the Father. But yet, it's a foundation of our creed as Christians and mm-hmm. as believers. I mean, it's in the Nicene Creed and the Constantinople Creed. My point is, it's it's at the core of who we of who we state that we're going to be, beginning as early as 300 A.D. And so prior to that moment, prior to the arising of the creeds, you know, what was going on in the early church and what did they think about this testimony of the resurrection and of the ascension and, and these kinds of things? And and so for me, that that was the, the, the start of the journey as I started to attempt to, you know, uh, you know, engage with, you know, the different guys that, that, you know, tear it down and say, you know, here's all the reasons why it can't be true. And, you know, almost all the times that, that, that they come to those conclusions is because they choose to date the Gospels much later than what, you know, I choose to date them. And so if you date them, you know, in, in the end of the, at the end of the second or beginning of the third century AD or even later than that, then um, uh, in their minds, it gives room for things to be added on that didn't necessarily happen as the mm. as they're edited throughout the generations, that type of a thing. But even that point in and of itself is a complete misunderstanding in the way that information was transferred during this period of time, because even oral history, I mean, Papias, who was a church father that was actually a disciple of an individual named John the Presbyter or John the Elder— mm who himself was said to be a disciple of John the Beloved, the disciple of John. So mm-hmm. Papias is, in essence, one generation removed from John the Beloved, the disciple of John. And um, and he um, uh, in, um, himself, you know, uh, makes the statement, I lost my train of thought there. I went to Papias, and the reason I went to Papias was because I was talking about well, you started by yeah, you started by talking about the resurrection. Yeah, talking about the resurrection of the dead. Oh, the do- oh, the passing of oral information, like oral history, in essence. Like we in the West, we have a tendency to think that you know if it's not written down, if it's if it's if it's spoken, then you know because we have uh, you know what was the game, telephone or electricity, where you oh, try yeah. and. To, you know, whisper something yeah, into somebody's ear. By the time ear, it gets okay. to the 12th person. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this, you don't even know what it is, right. like it wasn't what it right. began. There's but, a Norman Rockwell painting to that effect. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, really? Okay. There is, there yeah. Is. So we yeah. interpret oral, the oral history, or the oral tradition, or the passing down of information orally, we usually immediately go that direction because of the Western mindset and the way that we think. Mm-hmm. But what we don't realize is that history... For thousands of years, the only way that it was transferred down long before writing came along was through... Orality. It was through the passing down of generations, and in fact, that's the chief reason why. I mean, one of the chief ways the Old Testament, or specifically the first five books of the Old Testament, the way that they were passed down was through the memorizing of these texts, and then, and you know, I mean, and and then the, the fathers and you know, and the mothers instilling all of this into the children, and and because they understand that mm-hmm. if it dies off with their family then the next generation in their family will not have this. You know what I mean? That they would right. actually, and this is the most valuable thing 
for them. And so anyway, by the time we get to the first century, Papias himself still says that he trusts oral history more than he does written history. Like he believed that oral history was a stronger source of factual evidence rather than the written, rather than the written kind. And, and, um, uh, and so my point in saying that is that even those that begin to dismiss the Gospels as, as if history was, even if it was in oral form and it wasn't in written form, that it must have gotten messed up or whatever it is, like completely misses how things were done during this period of time in the passing on of information. And so, so anyway, all that being said is, is you know, as I started to dive into this and I started to look at this, you know, I, I, I started to not only at the, 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 the tradition level, but then also at the textual level, the way that Luke specifically himself frames up, you know, the resurrection and the ascension and mm-hmm. the, the words that he uses. He's very technical in, 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 in his rhetoric and in the specific, you know, syntax and the way that he arranges his words and the ways that he speaks things. Like he was a highly educated man, and this is—I mean, what he's doing there was on par with what you would consider to be, you know, the PhD guys that were writing during this period of time, just because he clearly knew really well how to um, write out a history of a person, an actual biography, mm-hmm. and to use technical terms and technical things to 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 be apologetic and to argue, which is what he's doing, and in, in, even in the resurrection, he's being. Very apologetic. He's arguing for something here with words that would have been that have been super forceful in the ancient world. Um, so anyway, all, all that being said is is um, you know it was after that in that that you know and as all these pieces started to come together for me that um, you know I started to hit the point of I got to be in or out like this Jesus thing right. like this is this is no longer just a Hey, this is what I do because this is what my parents do. This is what I do because yeah, you began is, to own it. You know, you began to. I had to start to real, examine it. You yeah. realize it if, and it's and it's that transition, which is your point, Steve. Is this? It's this ownership that creates the dynamic of discipleship. All of a sudden, the man Jesus is no longer just this figure that's hanging on the wall in your grandma's house, or mm-hmm. you know, I mean, on the cross at the right hand of the church or at the center or whatever it is. That it's no longer this thing. All of a sudden, now it's you know, he he's a real man. It's a real mm-hmm. king. That's really the right hand of the Father right now, and He is coming back, and He has given us a responsibility in this life to not only walk out the values and the morals that that He set set before us in the Sermon mm-hmm. on the Mount, but then to simultaneously proclaim the truth of the coming kingdom in in the face of you know potentially an onslaught of a culture today that is waging war against the church and Christianity and the Bible and is going to do everything that it can to dismantle everything that we're called to stand for and called to proclaim. And, um, you know, as much as there has been, uh, a force, you know, obviously uh, a satanic force against the body, the, the body has weakened, you know, from my perspective, um, it, it just seems like we're not where we could be. And when I say, I'm not talking about a specific church, I'm talking about the body at large. Right. Um, I was on a panel at the retreat. This won't mean much to a listener, but we had a men's retreat this past weekend. And one of the things that I said with regard to CRT was the notion that this really isn't a black-white issue, it's a sin issue. It's a problem, we have a problem with sin. And until we as men, particularly, this was a men's retreat, examine our hearts and deal with it, mm-hmm. it will be an ongoing battle. And, you know, you can't, you know, I've said many times, even on the podcast, we can't, none of us can give what we don't live. It, it takes moving into a place of deep revelation that you begin to live 
And then you can begin to give that away. But the, the outside world's not really looking to the church as I see it for answers because I don't feel the outside church. You know, young people today, maybe maybe your age, but mostly 20 to 30-year-olds will say that there is just large levels or volumes of hypocrisy among believers. You know, they're, they say one thing, do another. Uh, the divorce rate, all these dysfunctional rates right. of lifestyle and living are not much different in the church than they are in the world. And to me, a big part of that is not being all in. Wouldn't you probably both agree? I mean, if you're... I I would say definitely. Um, and sort of related to this is, you know, when we talk about discipleship and, and that, you know, the experience I've had on Thursday mornings for this past uh, 14, 15 months with our discipleship group is mm-hmm. is really profound it's it's very deep i have just recently started to read dietrich bonhoeffer's biography the cost of discipleship Mm -hmm. oh yeah that is taking me to a whole different level from a a layman i'm i'm reading stuff that book messed me up in book (laughs) it did that's a hard once you read it you're held accountable to it it's one of those books oh yeah yeah, you you don't want to pick it up yeah but you know unless you're gonna be i'm I'm glad to see your reaction this way because (laughs) i'm feeling like holy cow i'm i'm in foreign territory here or something i mean it's a dangerous book yeah it it is just mind blowing Mm -hmm. um the things that he has there so i i've First of all, thank you for making me feel uh, normal again, Brandon. So, uh, but but it, it's a tough tough it book is. to get through. Um, but I think it's uh, you know I'm only maybe a fourth or so of the way through there yet. But it's it's definitely painting discipleship in a a whole different level. Yeah, uh, to me it is, and he's he is going toe to toe with religiosity in that book. Mm. And it, which is the lukewarmness? It's what you're. Yeah. It's the yeah. motions, and it's this idea and this concept of you can have you know Christianity with a little Jesus sprinkled into it, while simultaneously continuing to go about your daily lives and and just assuming that you know that it's you know that that Jesus really doesn't have to affect what you do per se in a grand yeah. way or in a in in a, in a in a profound way. You know, you maybe you don't. You don't go to the bar anymore. You don't do whatever. You know, don't smoke or don't chew or whatever, and don't date girls that do. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, the, the the dynamic of it is, is it's like you know, it gets down to the heart of of really not just it's it's discipleship. It's the cost of discipleship. Mm-hmm. It's understanding what the grace of God is. It's you know that that He gave something, and and it, and for some reason in the Western Church we we assume that it is a unilateral giving, and so since we've received something of this free gift called salvation. There has to be zero response on our side. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been given to us. It's a fire insurance yeah. policy. Yeah. It's one done said. Don't worry about it anymore. And what that creates is, you know, again, this dynamic of, you know, you you just kind of go through the motions, and you're not living for anybody. Maybe you're living for a tradition or a value system or whatever it is, but you're not living for a man. You're not yeah. representing the king as an ambassador. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're not. And so it, um, which is what you know. He gets after and cost of discipleship hardcore. <laughs> I'd be curious to know: Do you think that some of the issue that we're seeing today may be tied into? You know, we're also taught that in spite of all the the negative influences that are coming at us from society and culture, you know, 
you you can pick the topic, whether it's uh, you know critical race theory, whether it's uh, how one identifies sexually today, or whatever. But you know, we as Christians are also taught God is still on the throne; He's mm. still in control. Right? Do people look at that and excuse themselves from action because? God is on the throne, and God's still in charge of things. And are we sitting back and not acting because of that? Or I definitely think that's part of it. I think it's probably a bunch of things, but I do think that I think that that definitely that, that I mean that mindset for sure is is part of it. Um, and and another part of it is that it's not on their doorstep yet. You know, a lot of these individuals, you know, that, that where this is, you know, it's, you know, out of sight, out of mind, you know, mm. and it's, they hear about it on Fox News or mm-hmm. whatever, but it's not affecting them, you know, mm-hmm. and so why, mm-hmm. you know, why would they do anything, you know, and it, um, and yeah, and that's, you know, and that's the, the idea. And I remember whenever, you know, whenever Eric Metaxas was here mm-hmm. and he was, um, you know, he was talking about Bonhoeffer. And you know, because he wrote that huge, you know, biography, yeah, six hundred some odd yeah, pages, yeah, page yeah. on on Bonhoeffer, and um, and how there was a pastor that came. I think it was after him, after Bonhoeffer, maybe had already been put in jail or something. And he was one of the pastors, and I can't, I'm gonna, I don't remember the pastor's name, but he had been, he was meeting with Hitler, and um, and he challenged Hitler on this on this issue of of you know things going on governmentally. And Hitler's response was, you know, you just take care of your church and preach your sermons. Like, mm-hmm. just stay out of the issues. Like, stay out of the government. You go and you do your Christian thing, and we're going to continue to do things on... And it was at that point that this pastor realized it was too late. You know, it, like, it, it, was, right. it was past the point of, you know, reconciliation, redemption, anything at this point. It's because the church and believers for so long bought into the idea and this concept that, you know, I mean, that, that, that we're going to let the government do what they're going to do because God's in control and it's our job to stay mm-hmm. holy, stay righteous, pursue morality, and, and, and to preach the gospel and to evangelize. But at the end of the day, what, you know, they didn't realize was that, listen, we're called to speak the truth and preach the gospel just as much in the White House as we're called to do it on the streets. Mm-hmm. Like the gospel and truth is meant to be, you know, I mean, it was Paul, one of Paul's main, main, main objectives was to stand before Caesar and preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like he wanted to do that. Like that was a, a goal of his was to get to that point. And I think it's, it's you know, when we start to think about this as, as, as Christianity being called to be the proclaimers of truth, to to be a proclaimer of truth doesn't mean that we're not to get in fights because truth rubs people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And we can't be afraid to speak the truth in love. Of course, we do it in love, but that doesn't mean we have to be super nice about it. We can right. be bold with truth because we know what truth is. And um, I think that that's, you know, getting to your point, Ken, I think that that's, you know, the state of the church is what it is because we've bought in, we bought into that. We've bought into you know comfort is one of our major enemies. You know when your comfort isn't challenged, you know you don't necessarily, oh, yeah. especially right. in the church. You know it's and even even a just a, just enough attitude, sort of that, that's enough. You know I mean like not willing to go the extra mile. I I uh, I know an individual that has shared with me that uh, this church or that church doesn't have this or that, but they're not willing to do anything about this or that being added to this or that church. And they find themselves bouncing around looking for something that is going to serve them 
as opposed to the willingness to serve. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I have found for me personally, I don't know if this will help anybody, but I have found that to just, just to not focus on, there are many, many, many promises, many, 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 many benefits to knowing the Lord that will help me. But you know what, guys, I, I feel like, uh, I feel like it's been a real neat thing for me to focus on just how good he is mm-hmm. letting go of all the, I think I might've mentioned that to you, Brandon, when we had coffee, just like a little child celebrating what is to be celebrated, this great um, unimaginable love for me and what it's doing for me. It's really driving me away from a dis- I mean, I'm, I'm happy to receive the promises. I, I, I don't know if I'm making sense about what I'm saying, but what I'm trying to say is that it's like if I say, Brandon, I love you for just flat out who you are, whether you ever give me a penny, a pair of socks, a tie, a shirt, mm-hmm. or anything, I don't care. I'm, I'm focused on loving you for who you are. And I have found for me personally great joy and, frankly, real freedom. And, and it's again, it's not believing that he won't or that he can't. It's just that I'm focused. I feel like the scripture says, except that you come to me as little children. What is so true about little children? Well, on a level, yes, they're very selfish. And it is me, 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 right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's also, there's also a real celebratory heart to a child that's just beautiful. You tell a child and they'll believe you in any way, shape, or form about anything. I call it sanctified selfishness. <laughs> oh, you mean what I'm referring like to? Because mm-hmm. it yeah. is. It's a godly yeah. selfishness. Because it's what do you? Because what you're wanting out of that situation is a man, you want him. Like mean, that's yeah. that's a very holy yeah, selfishness. I, I, I mean, it almost makes him, yeah, you it's, know. It's yeah, and and then what more? I mean, what greater expression of that than in a child? Which is your point? Yeah, you know what, Brandon you know? and and Ken, I I think you would agree to this. The the people, I think, part of the state of the church is having. An unmet, and I'll say worldly or fleshy desire for something that's not being provided for by the Lord. I prayed this, I prayed that, he didn't give me this, he didn't give me that. And so they understandably get frustrated. But I'm, I'm like, well, is it the thing that you're after or is it his heart that you're after? And and I I think it's a much, you know, think about, think about this in friendships. When we were all younger, you know, you're in high school or middle school, you know how there's all this envy for friendship. Everybody's everybody's sort of, you know, bidding for position with another, mm-hmm. you know, right? right? Right, right. That is all about the individual bidding for position, isn't it? Mm-hmm. it, it ultimately, it's not about it's not about loving Brandon. It's let's I'm going to use Brandon because he's sitting right across from me. I'm looking at him right here, or Ken, either one. It's not about loving him. As what can I benefit from by knowing Brandon? Mm-hmm. He's got a position of social authority in the circles. Mm-hmm. I want to be next yeah. to him because I want that on me. Right. That's not a very way, very good way to love Brandon. Right. Agreed. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're thinking about what that association will is do going for to me, give you how it's going to satisfy one of your needs or desires instead of just enjoying the fellowship. And I think and a big just, part of this, the problem with the state of the church guys, I, I, I don't know. You're not in your head. Yes. But I think we probably agree, or, or am I making some sense? When we make this about us, we lose. It's just not a winning proposition. When we lay ourselves prostrate before the Lord and we make it all about him with without regard, that's where I think a piece of pastoral understanding enters in. 
when you know i a guy that everybody that's listening to this podcast or knows me well knows i like nick life without limbs you know who that is brandon i don't he's from Australia, oh yes I no i do yeah, yes, yes I oh do. my goodness oh, yeah, i mean yeah, who yeah. can't say that brother is blessed with peace and it's and he's yeah. got a global voice right because people look at him and say you have every right to be angry mm-hmm. you have every right to be a non-believer right but yet, with everything in you, you praise the Lord. Now, now realize that everything about his daily activity, from the moment he wakes to the moment he goes to sleep, someone else has to help him with. He has no limbs. So it's feeding, drinking, washing, shaving, bathing, bathroom needs of all kinds. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> without getting too graphic, that all has to be done by somebody else. He has four beautiful kids. That had to be assisted by his wife to make that happen. And he has such a voice of courage and such a voice of glory and such a voice of peace and such a voice of victory, and yet he has no limbs. Mm-hmm. He has a pair of shoes in his closet. I've, I've shared this before. They're like a size 12 because he asked a doctor when he got old enough to kind of think through what would it be like if I got limbs. So the doctor said, well, judging on the, your frame structure and so on and so forth, you would wear a size 12. He's had, he's, I think he's about your age now. I think he's about 40. Okay. He's had those in his closet for 20 years. He says, you know, if God decides to give me limbs, amen, I'll take them. I've got shoes waiting for him. But if he doesn't, it's okay. <laughs> that is a winning attitude in the Lord. And, and it's not, you know, some would say, well, he just doesn't have faith. Uh, no, I don't buy that. I, I don't know if you agree or disagree, Brandon, with what I'm saying. But I think it's a sweet spot place to be when we don't make it about any of the promises and yet they're there. But uh, the point is the focus, right? Am I saying that right? And I think this is part of this, the problem with the state of the church. Would, do you buy, I mean, what are your thoughts on why we are as a, as a church where we are or are not today in general? I mean, I think I'm the church. You're the church. Yeah, I think you know? you're. I think I think that's definitely part of it. You know, I mean, in the sense of us not having you know a proper understanding of you know suffering, for instance. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean, as far as the yes. role that it plays in the in the journey of the believer. In that it's 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 a you know I think that's part of, you know Jesus never you know Jesus didn't come to li- to deliver us from suffering he came to deliver us from eternal damnation yes and and it's important that we we get connected to that because suffering is an intricate part of not only the human experience but also the Christian experience mm-hmm. and 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 that being said the purpose of suffering is to create selflessness it's to create this 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 reliance upon him and him alone to get through the situation because mm-hmm. you realize I have nothing mm-hmm. to offer. Mm-hmm. I can't get through this without you. And it's the story of Job. I mean, it's you mm-hmm. come utterly to the end of yourself, but then simultaneously the story of Job is the story of the greatest conqueror that ever walked this earth outside of Jesus himself. I mean, it's, you know, people, you know, question why God put Job to the things that he did. And I think you're asking the wrong kind of question there. I think you need to be asking the question in, uh, from the perspective uh, of, of God in the sense where he, in essence, is attempting to get something out of Job. And it's in this process that Job gets, you know, first off, a double blessing at the end of the whole process, you know, at, at the end of the day. And you also begin to tap into the depth of the mystery of God in the sense that we're not going to have all the answers to all the questions before we get to the other side, but, and it's, you know, do we really want to have all the answers to all the questions and, um, you know, who wants to worship a God that we can actually put in a box and give a definition to. And so it, um, you know, so I think, you know, the loose endsness of it is, is deliberate, but then simultaneously, I think that, you know, your point is that, you know, in relationship to selflessness and, and, and doing it so, you know, wholeheartedly and solely for only the purpose of him because he's worth it. Is and, yeah. and and that's that's a different step and a key, 
um, that people, um, yeah, d- don't quite get connected to. And then the reason they don't get connected to it is, you know, it's because they don't know who they are. They don't know their Christian identity and their faith. You know, there's, there's, you know, and, and part of that thing is because we've gotten so far away from, you know, in the church from, you know, especially in the evangelical church, you know, there's been a, a distancing of biblical teaching and more, and in, in, in there's been a more, mm-hmm. you know, spiritualization and a more charismatic activity of, yes, of things yeah. that has increased. In, and the result is the moving away from the text and the result of the moving, the result of when you begin to move away from the Bible, you enter in, you know, spiritual abuse is going to be the byproduct of that. Yeah. And so you're going to, and that's, you know, so spiritual abuse has just been rampant in the church over the last 20 or 30 years because we're, you know, because pastors prepare their sermons 30 minutes before they go on stage by praying in the spirit before they get up there. And it's like, you don't even know anything that you're talking about right now. You're not educating people. You're just trying to get people yeah. hyped up to love Jesus, but you can't love Jesus without truth. You got to have that foundation yeah. and that education and that meat and that feeding and the notion know, of counting the cost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, right. And it's, and it's, it's, and so anyway, I think that your point is, Steve, I think is, is a big one and it's a good one because I think that, you know, we don't, you know, we, we should, we should realize that this, Christian thing is being all in like that, that. That's, that's what it's about. Yeah, yeah. And there's not really a lukewarmness, you know, and those that think that they're just in this lukewarm state, you know, I think that that's most likely the Holy spirit convicting them saying, listen, you can't stay here. Like if you've got quite, if you, if you think that you need to be doing more, it's because you do need to be doing more. And and there's going to come a time where you're not doing anything or you doing whatever. I mean, how long until, you just don't feel anything and you question your, and you decide you're done with the Christian thing. And it's, you know, you're only going to get as much out of it that you put into it. Um, but it's simultaneously the grace of God, you know, it's tells us it's, you know, it's not I who labor, it's Christ who labors in me. And that's the tension of the whole thing is yeah. it's, is it, is it me doing it or, or is it God? And it's like, well, and that's where the people struggle with the legalism stuff and they start getting into this. And it's, it's like, no, you got to get the, you know, God can't steer a parked car. The car's got to get rolling. Right. And, you know, and, and I'm a firm believer that he leads by red lights, not green lights. And most people wait around thinking that God's going to open up a door for them. And instead, they should be out knocking on doors, trying to mm-hmm. figure out mm-hmm. what the Lord you know, wants to do in their life or whatever it is. And, and, if it, and, and if you walk through a door and it's not the Lord, he's, I, in my personal experience, he is really good at shutting that door. But in my, also my personal experience, he's not the best at getting me up off of my seat and carrying me to the job interview and giving me the job. You know, it's, there's, there's, you know, we have to do our part in essence. And in doing our part, the Lord leads us and guides us and blesses us and, and uh, continues to, to, to keep us going in the direction that he desires us to go. Well, on some level you just quoted, you know, without saying it specifically, I just immediately thought of it. Uh, Five uh, Matthew five verse six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst mm. for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And this five eight is so powerful. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. It's the first of those list of beatitudes that speak to the ability to see God is through a pure heart, mm. suggesting really the the uh, the heart is the eye. It's the it's the the communicator. It is the link to the heart of God. Yes, I mean, it's, I mean, and that was Paul's prayer, you know, in Ephesians one, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, and it's which is a song, also, right? Well, I'm sure yeah. it is yeah. a song, open also, yeah. Yeah. which is probably based yeah. on the prayer. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah. um, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's. Uh, it is. It's the. You know, it's that internal. You know, I mean, the Egyptians would. You know, they would pickle the heart. 
then they would suck out the brains. Oh my god! So, so, so the the heart was where the soul. That's where that's who you were resided in your heart. And so people, so they would be buried with the heart, and then the the, the brains would be discarded with, because they understood that this is where you know it resided. And so, I mean, to be pure in heart is to you know it's it's to seek that 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 core to the core of our being. Oh yeah, you know what I mean just to the yeah. to, to to the to who Brandon and it is speaks at the to very core motive too. Yeah. It speaks to motive. Yeah, I, you know Ken knows because we've talked about it on the podcast. I I have suffered for years from people pleasing. But when I when it, it kind of goes to what I was saying before, when I laid down the need to want to please, I'm going to use you, Brandon, as an example. When I laid down the need to please you to get your approval and just loved you for who you were, mm-hmm. I found such freedom. And even right. in in the, you know, Ken, you you know me quite well because we've talked about it at length and we've talked about it on the podcast. Um, it it has been the most releasing, freeing experience to let go of my need to do something to win you. Right. That's a, that's a very selfish way to to engage relationship, you know, with my wife or anyone, my mm-hmm. children, my friends. It's so much more liberating just to love Brandon without yeah. any conditions on that. Right. Family. Yeah. You're talking yeah. about, you're talking yeah. about how family is meant to operate, which and, is the body yeah. of Christ. I mean, we're that's meant exactly we're right. meant to operate that way. Yeah, we're yeah. meant to operate that way. It, I've got one member so of our family wonderful. that does that well. It's our one-year-old dog. Oh, the dog! <laughs> yes, unconditional. I, I heard yeah. about the dog on the podcast last week. We were oh, you did. You yeah, did yeah, mention yeah, the dog. You did dog. listen yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Well, our dog uh, Bailey's going to get quite famous, I guess. Uh, here, if I keep bringing her up. But, yeah. But I, I, it's a rather simple analogy. I realize, but it's, it's a good one. I mean, yeah. You talk about the pure expression of love and right. You know, adoration. Walk through the door and see the tail wag and. Ever come and greet you, and that's it. So yeah. as we as we get ready to wrap this, we, we got about Brandon's got a schedule he's got to keep, and I totally want to respect that. We got about six minutes left to hit the twelve thirty mark. Um, Brandon, what would be some you know some anecdotal things you could say? You know, we're talking about we talk generally that the church is hurting at large. Um, we're not particularly relevant in society's view. Um, gone are the days when the first reaction to a, a some national episode would be to have a, a Pat Billy Graham into the White House. Mm-hmm. I mean, within within hours of an issue, presidents would invite the likes of Billy Graham to come and pray and be a mm-hmm. part of what was about to be needed to be decided on. Gone are those days. What, do, you, do you have any last minute thoughts on you know just a few little nuggets outside of this? I mean, we're talking about you know in this particular beatitude, you know, pure being pure in heart. Um, thoughts. You know, what do you? Mm. I know it's a big topic to try to close in two or three minutes. Right, right. Yeah, you know, we're not going to get there probably, but you know, yeah, I think that it's you know, so it's so the the you know the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount is to create a stable foundation for you and your family. So I mean, I just even think as men. So the purpose of it, you know, so I, I mentioned at the men's retreat this weekend, like you know, Noah built the ark and his family got on. So Noah, mm-hmm. the father, created the context for safety and stability by following the word of the Lord and being diligent for over a hundred years. You know what I mean? Yeah. For, yeah. Saying persistent with this thing, and and the result was what looked like you know what was absolutely the most dumb thing that any human being has ever done on this earth ended up being the most wise thing 
than any human being had done on this earth. And the family got on with him and he saved his family as a result of it. And, and I think that, you know, I think of, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, and it ending in the similar way of the, the building of a house on, on the rock instead of on the stand so we can have a location of safety and stability in the midst of a flood and a deluge and those kinds of things. You know, the entrance point to that is to, is, is, is the blessed, the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom mm-hmm. of heaven. And it's this, it's, it's the foundational exercise of us choosing to be reliant upon Jesus on a daily basis. And that reliance is an internal response. And it's not us just going to the prayer meeting or us just making it at church on Sunday or us just serving in whatever areas or whatever it is. It's us on a daily basis choosing from the heart level mm-hmm. to commune with him, to build a relationship with him, to stay connected with him. To, to, to go to the prayer meeting, not because it's on the list, but to go to the prayer meeting because it's like, no, I really, really want to build my relationship with this man. and Intentionality. And intentionality and to experience his spirit. And, and so for, for me, it's, it's, you know, it's for people, I'm like, you need to find a church that is doing word and spirit. And you got to find mm-hmm. a church that is, mm-hmm. is biblically based, is really teaching the Bible and seeking to, to, to seeking the truths of the Bible in a very diligent and hands-on way, as far as from the leadership goes, and then, and then simultaneously that there are people of the Spirit that they, that they want to do that they do that they do prayer meetings, that they believe in the gifts of the Spirit, that they that, that they long for mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the the Spirit of God to move in their midst and and, and those kinds of things. But it's you know the, those are the kinds of churches in the days ahead are those that are sensitive to the Spirit. And those that are sensitive to, 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 the, to the text, to the Word of God, are going to be the ones that the Lord, I believe, is going to use the most in the days ahead. And it's going to be those churches that are going to have the most hope to actually, I think, weather the storm and get through um, uh, what's going on and, and have the most impact in discipleship. And mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all connected. You know, I was saying that at the beginning. You know, you start anywhere and get everywhere. You know, it's, it's, it's the, the, what the Lord's doing in His grand plan of redemption, like it's, it's 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 he's he's going to be i believe truly helping us mm, helping mm, the church mm. in a very hands-on way mm-hmm. in the coming days and um and we are going to get to see um i think the power of what it means to be those that um you know show up and say you know i actually have no idea what's going on or what to say right now and it's in that place that god ultimately does the deepest work yeah, and does the yeah. deepest things in communities mm, and environments mm. because it's, it's, you know I mean? I decrease the way he might increase. It's, it's not about me. It's about him. I loved what Wes, the, the fact that, you know, I'm thinking of a couple of scriptures, be still and know that I am God. Mm. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. He talked about the grind. You know, I, I would tell you as audience out there and it would say to the three of us that we all need to be encouraged that this isn't always an immediate prayer and an immediate answer. There is a toiling, there is an effort, there is a bulwark involved. And Wes spoke to that at the men's retreat um, on Saturday morning, the first session. That was just so good about the word. I think it was very encouraging to all the guys to realize that, you know, you're not going to sit down and have an immediate response necessarily. Those things happen, but there is a work involved. And you're speaking to the same thing. Um, has to be, it's a cultivation, just yeah, like marriage yeah, yeah, is a choice. Yeah, it's, it's a, a choice. cultivation. Yeah, it's and some days, choice. you know, you wake up and you walk in the kitchen and you're, you're just not the best because you and your wife ain't the best that yeah. day for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's, yeah. and it, but, but you still make the decision and you make the choice, you know, and you, and you, you stay the course is the point. Wow. Exactly. So yeah. what would be a closing thought from any of the three of us in terms of um, our encouragement to the listeners? Ken, you got anything or? Well, I, I would just uh, encourage people to, Keep seeking and keep at it. Um, if you are 
filled with doubts in any area. Just keep on searching Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. let Jesus be the ultimate desire and goal of your search. And I think you'll, you'll get there eventually, but just keep at it and persevere. That's a good word. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, it has been really nice having you in studio. I, I, maybe you can come back sometime. Sure. This would be great to have you back. I, I, you know, it's fun. Well, with this was the first time we had Brandon in here. And so we're all kind of getting to know each other, but I, I, it's funny. It feels more loose. Over the last 45 minutes. Oh, yeah. You know, it's always a little tighter when you're first getting to know somebody. And But the, I feel so relaxed, and it's been great having you in studio. Would you do Absolutely. us a favor? Would you, do you mind praying us out? Absolutely. Uh, so let's just go to the Lord for just a moment here. Let's do it. So, Lord, we just uh, we come before you, and, Lord, we ask for just the presence of your Spirit to increase mm-hmm. upon our hearts, that you would strengthen us, that, Lord, you would that you would rise up from within us, and that you would just take hold of our minds and our hearts, our will and our emotions, and that that you would just help us to submit it all to you, that we would give it all to you, the wholeness of ourselves, that you would meet us, that you would encounter us, and that you would, uh, Lord, I even ask for the listeners that are just in a tough spot right now, Mm -hmm. those that are just feel like they've come to the end of whatever it is that they're in right now due to pressure at work or family or money or whatever it is. Lord, we ask for breakthrough. We ask that you would mm-hmm. meet them right now yes, and that you would uh, just even just speak your word to their heart of encouragement and that you would uh, just give them breakthrough in the natural and whatever mm. it is and that there would be just a, a shift from this from this uh, overwhelming pressure and just to a season of blessing and mm. a season of fruit. And so, uh, yes, Lord, we just we just love you and we say that we, uh, mm. we, we seek and we long to love you more. And it's mm-hmm. in Jesus' most mighty and holy name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, Amen. Thank you so much, Brandon, yeah, for being here. You. Ken, it's always great to have you, and uh, Brandon will invite you back at a later date. Sounds like a plan. Hey, until next time, audience, we just pray that you continue to seek him with all that's in you, find rest and peace and hope in him, in Jesus' name, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Until then, have a blessed week.